0: Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Tonight we're going to go to um, Matthew chapter 13 because we've been walking through uh, the Gospels—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John—and um, you know we've been walking through them in a chronological order. Um, And so sometimes we're in different books, sometimes we're in two or three of them at once because they have the same story. Most of that is what they call the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John's kind of on his own, but sometimes all their stories are the same, you know, all four gospel accounts um, speak of the 5,000 that Jesus fed, you know, with the two fish and the five loaves. And then all of them, of course, speak of his crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection. But here in Matthew, we've been seeing where Jesus has been te- teaching on the kingdom of God, and he's been going into these parables, these uh, illustrations about the kingdom. And uh, uh, last week, or no, it was a week before, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about um, the the woman who put the measures of the the leaven in the three measures. Remember that, and how eventually that leaven or that yeast took over, and and this was. Uh, Jesus saying, this is what the kingdom of God is like. It it starts off in seed form many times. It starts off small, but it doesn't stay small. Because the kingdom is here to take over. You know, there is a coming a day when Jesus Christ will come back and he will totally take over. Man, that's going to be a great day. It's going to be a great day. All things are going to be made new. He's going to restore all things. The earth is going to be beautiful. The lion will lie down with the lamb. He won't want to eat him. He's going to bring peace across humanity, across the animal kingdom, across the world. Amen. And he will. But until that time, until that time, we have the kingdom in us as Jesus taught, and we are citizens of that kingdom, yet we are not literally in it right now. This is all known in the Spirit, and we all came into that kingdom through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ by believing his gospel. Now, we, as Gentiles, don't preach the gospel of the kingdom. We preach the gospel of Christ. And we've talked about the difference. The gospel of the kingdom was to the Jews. It's what Jesus preached. It's what John the Baptist preached. It's what the disciples preached, most of them, because they were preaching to Jews, sons of the kingdom. And, and, and that's why, in the kingdom, 12 thrones will be um, occupied by the 12 Jewish disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm just happy to be part of it. You know, I told my friend, Stephen, who comes from the tribe of Judah. Do you know that? That's Jesus lineage. That's cool. I think you have more hair than you know. <laughs> I, said, I said, man, if my whole eternity is just waiting tables and serving you tea, I'm fine with that. I'm just happy Because I was on the outside. Come on, we were on the outside. Paul said, listen, Gentiles, you need to remember where you were. right? You were outside. You didn't have any covenant with God. You had had no right standing. And you were without, uh, uh, this is Ephesians, it says, you were without hope and without God in the world. Man, that is a terrible existence. But He didn't leave it there. He says, but now, you who were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Aren't you grateful for the blood that brought us in to this amazing experience and, and seated us in heavenly places with Christ? It's so good to be a part of the family of God So and in the kingdom of God. And I don't know eternally what all that looks like, and I don't care. I'm just glad to be there. Just glad to be a part of it. And I want to do what I, I can um, to expand that kingdom. And so Jesus is giving these parables about the kingdom. And so we're going to jump down to verse 44 of Matthew chapter 13 tonight. And he says again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Goes and sells all that he has. And buys that field. Remember when I, I talked to you initially, when we started talking about these kingdom principles and, the, and these parables that Jesus is getting into. And he starts off earlier in this chapter. Remember the sower sowing the, the seed, the sower sowing the word, and it fell on four different types of soil. And, and so he's, he's building on this teaching over and over again. Well, we talked about the kingdom of God is, is really for us, it's the rule, it's the reign of God. It's grace reigning over you grace reigning over you. What does the scripture say? Romans 6, 14, sin shall not have dominion over you for you're not under law. You're under grace. Rules don't reign over you. Grace reigns over you. And that empowers you to live above sin. See, the knowledge of good and evil in religion, it teaches us exact opposite, doesn't it? If you behave, then if you abstain from this and if that then then you can be on top of sin. But how many of you found that that just didn't work all that well? I found that that did not work for Eric Holler. The more they told me not to do it, the more I wanted to do it. Right? But when I found out that I'm not just some kind of refurbished person in Christ, he didn't just kind of come and give me a new paint job. I'm not just a sinner saved by grace. See, that's religious talk right? Oh, none of us are perfect. Oh yeah, we are. Yeah. Because he made us who were dead in sin alive and a whole new creation in Christ Jesus. I didn't do that. I couldn't work for that. I couldn't perform enough. I couldn't go to church enough for that. But Jesus did that for me. He recreated you all over on the inside. He made you my family just like him. The scripture says, whoever is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. See in the spirit, there's no separation. And if you're one with him who is perfect, what does that make you? Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, you're perfect in him. You're perfect in him. Amen. I said you're perfect in him. Now watch this. This guy finds a treasure in a field. He says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. The rule and the reign of God. In your life, the kingdom of heaven being the reign of Christ, as I said, triumphing over everything that has stood or did stand or ever will stand between you and everlasting life and joy. You see the kingdom of God as our salvation or our reconciliation to God. God loving us and reconciling us to himself through his son, Jesus. So because the kingdom of God is the rule of God to save us, to redeem us, to bring us into every good thing, out of darkness and into his light, out of destruction, into blessing, into the enjoyment of his son forever. Look at this. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. So what the focus of this passage here, of this little parable that Jesus gives us, is the value of the kingdom. It's like treasure hidden in a field. And this man's pursuit to get it. The worth of having God and his rule over your life, over anything else, it's not hard to see why that is so valuable. How many of you found out every day with him gets better and better? It gets sweeter and sweeter. Proverbs says, the path of the righteous or the path of the just is like the light of dawn. It grows brighter and brighter and brighter to the full day. Amen. And we are part of a, uh, a, a glory, the scripture says, that continues to excel. Glory to glory, faith to faith, strength to strength. So if, if this all-wise God, as our Lord and as our King, uh, has joy for us and everything is working for our good, um, even if the situation that you find yourself in tonight, maybe you're not in a good situation. Maybe you need some, some good things to happen in that situation. Listen, he as your Lord and King is going to make sure, yeah. right, that it ends in good yeah. because that's who he is. He is good and he does good. That's all he can do is be good to you. Amen. Uh, so kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. We see that it's not hard to see why this is so valuable once you taste it. Once you, once you experience him and his presence in your life. And for joy, he goes and sells what? He sells all that he has and buys that field. Now, the point here is not that the kingdom can be bought because it can't be. But r- rather, if, if it costs you, if it just happens to cost you everything, it's worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. Amen. Amen. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, I'm sorry, Brooke, I didn't give this, or Bailey, hi, Bailey, the other B, Bailey. Uh, pull up Philippians 3, uh, verses 7 and 8, if you would, right quick. I apologize for that. I'll overlook that. Now listen, Paul, or prior to being Paul, Saul of Tarsus, the, as he called himself, the Pharisee of Pharisees, who sat at the feet of a guy named Gamaliel, who taught him everything. Now, Gamaliel is like, going to Harvard, all right? He was the prime teacher of the day. Everybody wanted to sit at the feet of Gamaliel, and Paul was his student. And um, because he had the highest education, and he said, I excelled past all my contemporaries, and uh, he said, I was a Pharisee. They were just kind of <laughs> <laughs> they all looked, And he said, when it came to the law, I was blameless. I've never known one person that could say they were blameless when it came to keeping the alive. I mean, this guy was on fire. I mean, a zealot to the core. But then he's talking about these things, but look at this at verse 7. Then he has an encounter with Jesus. And then he says, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Eight. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as, you got to roll the R, rubbish, that I may gain Christ. See, Paul tasted and he saw that the Lord is good. He said, this other stuff, rubbish. All that stuff I worked so hard for, all the notoriety I got and the fame and the reputation I had, it don't mean nothing compared to knowing Jesus. It all falls at his feet. Comes crashing down at the supremacy that is Christ. Look at verse 9. I said seven and eight. We're going to keep going. And be found where? In Him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. Did you see this? You know what Paul just taught us? He said, I kept the law. I did it blamelessly. And you know what it got me? Self righteousness. I did, I kept all the rules. And I could only attain. Self-righteousness, which means he was a jerk. You know, you know what it's like being around self-righteous people. Hmm? You don't have to know they're coming, they'll announce it. It's like when a vegan shows up to the party. right? That, they'll tell you. Yeah. You don't have to wonder. But that which is through faith. I love all my vegan friends, whoever you are out there. okay. I'm, but that which is through faith. Look, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Paul said, I worked hard. I tried to earn it, and I fell miserably short. But when I believed on him, I became what true righteousness is, the righteousness of God. And I found out something. All I had to do was believe. Because God wouldn't allow me to have any part in effort, in works. No, my son did it all. He is fully satisfied everything. Just come and receive. Isn't that beautiful? I'm so grateful for the gospel. It really is good news. And it just gets gooder all the time. This, this, and this condition that, that we find ourselves in is not one necessarily of wealth or power or intelligence or eminence. No, this position is one of a new creation in Christ. So the point of selling everything in this parable is simply to show where the heart of a person is. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart. Notice he didn't say where your heart is, there your treasure is. He says where your treasure is, where you're putting your treasure your heart is in that. Hmm? I remember a time my heart was in every restaurant in town and we finally learned how to budget our money. <laughs> if your heart is to have the kingdom above all things, it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Huh? Did you see it? To give. Not to pay you, to give you the kingdom. All right, let's go to the next one, verse 45 of Matthew 13. Is this okay tonight? All right, and uh, verse 45, and again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Sounds kind of a similar story, doesn't it? Seeking beautiful story, uh, story. pearls who, when he had found one pearl of great price, that's the story of Carl's life right there. One pearl of great price. She's not here to aim at it, but you know she would be. (laughs) Went and sold all. Look, again, somebody else is selling everything they have and bought it. But here's the difference in this story. This man that went and saw the treasure and hid it, and for joy he spent everything he had to get that treasure, this man is seeking the kingdom. He's seeking salvation, right, from God. But now this is God in search of man. It's as a merchant going. God is the merchant. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. And what was that pearl of great price? Jesus said it like this. God so loved the world. You were his pearl of great price. This world. That he gave what? Everything he had. God didn't just give the best he had. My family, he gave everything he had when he gave us Jesus. Jesus is everything. The scripture says that he is the embodiment. He is the, the fullness of the Godhead. I cannot get my words right. He's the fullness of the Godhead bodily, right? And it does the Father. Father, it's his good pleasure to exalt his son and give him that name that is above every name. Amen. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord. Why don't we just say Jesus is Lord tonight? Amen. Yes, he comes and he seeks to save that which was lost. Aren't you grateful that he sought you and he found you? Amen. Amen. He paid that price of highest prices to purchase all of us with his precious blood. So from these two parables, we see how we value our salvation experience, our position in Christ and in this kingdom, this reconciliation, and gladly welcome and declare that Jesus is Lord of our lives. We also see our value to God in that he gave everything to search us out and to save us. All right, let's go to verse 47. Again, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet. You remember that show? Oh, you just admitted your age. (laughs) That was cast into the sea... And gathered some of every kind. They threw out this net and began to drag it in. And next verse, which when it was full, they drew to shore and they sat down and gathered the good into the vessels, but threw the bad away. I guess that would be like carp, um, alligator gar, I don't know, the throwaway fish. So some they kept, some they threw away. Look, so it will be at the end of the days, the angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, verse 50, and cast them into the furnace of fire, there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Ah, that's terrible. Verse 51, Jesus said to them, have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he said to them, therefore every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out his treasure. Things new and old. That sea is symbolic, as Jesus taught, of the world, right? Where every kind of person dwells, both good, that is, those who are receptive and have believed the gospel, and the bad, those who are unreceptive or who have rejected the gospel. And that net is all the different ways that God uses to reach out through His church. That's why we're here. We're here to declare this good news, to cast that net, right? Because we want to bring as many people into the kingdom of God. Doesn't Jesus deserve it? Right? Doesn't he deserve it? He deserves it. So we're here to help him get what he paid for. Amen. Amen. And just as these other parables that Jesus taught in his day, believers and unbelievers are attached. Notice that all of them are attached to the gospel. That gospel message of salvation. Some of them reject it. Some of them believe it and receive it. And the Lord, it says, the angels are going to separate those. Now, let me just say the time that Jesus is talking about. You know, you and I won't even be here when that happens. We won't even be here when that happens. Because there's another experience that we're going to have. Because the Lord himself will descend from heaven, as Paul taught us, with a shout. And those who are dead in Christ are going to rise. And those who are alive and remain are going to be caught up together with them in the clouds. We're going to meet the Lord in the air. See, that's not his second coming. He hasn't come to earth yet. He's calling his church up. And so then... All hell is going to break loose in the earth, and that seven years, and there will be many who will come into the kingdom. And God has will have separated 144,000 Jehovah's Witnesses. I mean, Jews. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jews to uh, preach the gospel, and this this is when there will be many, many, many Jews coming to the kingdom of God, Amen. because it's going to be a wake up call. It really, is going to be a wake up call, and and um, but that's the time it's talking about when the angels are going to come in and get the final harvest, all right? So that's just to give you the timeline of what Jesus is speaking of. But now he tells his disciples, look at verse 50, yeah, 52. Therefore, every scribe instructed, he asked them what? Do you understand these things? Yeah. You, th- you think they did? I don't think they had the full understanding, not until the Holy Spirit came on them. Remember, because he said, the Holy Spirit's going to remind you of the things I've taught you. He's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to teach you things to come. But I think after hearing that, (laughs) he he gives this ominous picture of angels coming and separating and throwing them in the, you understand? Uh Uh-huh, I don't want to hear that again. That scares the pants off of me, Jesus. He asked him to understand, and the reason is, and then he says, now you're going to be scribes. That is, you're going to be those who teach the word. You're going to teach others what I'm teaching you. And you need to understand it so that you can properly teach it. All right? That's why he asked them that. And then you are, you're like that house. You're going to now begin to bring treasures out from the word, both old and new. This is what's so cool about the preaching the Bible. Because it's ancient and it's living. Which means it's still very new. It's still alive. Right? Very ancient truths, but still alive, which means it's still relevant, which means there's old and new to be brought out all the time. One of the the old but yet new truths of the Scriptures is the gospel. Old and yet so very new, because it's still creating new creations in Christ. For anyone who will believe, brand new creation. 2,000-year-old message. I love that. I'm going to finish with this. There was a man by the name of Obed Edom. You can read about Obed Edom in, in uh, Chronicles. That's as specific as I'll get because I can't remember if it's first or second Chronicles. And Obed-Edom, O-E-O-B-E-D-Edom, or Obed of Edom, which Edom was were was uh, what's his name? Jacob's brother. Esau. Esau's family came from. This is his lineage, okay? Um, And so Obed came from Edom, and he had a most peculiar thing happen to him. Oh, by the way, his hometown, though, is Gath, which is where Goliath was from. Obed, here's a knock on his door one day, and it is none other than David, the king of Israel. And he has a box with him. And this box is what Israel called the Ark of the Covenant. And in it, God's presence was housed in that box. And in there, in that box was Aaron's rod. Remember Aaron, the high priest, that budded? There was the the Law of Commandments, and there was also a bowl of manna. You can remember it in bees the Bible or the book, the bud, and the bread. And had these two angels, carved out angels, gold, facing one another on top of it. On the top of it was called the mercy seat. And the priests would carry the ark. It was instituted by God that the priests would carry it. And so this box had these brass rings on the top so they could slide a pole through the top. And then the priests would carry the ark where they went to usher in the presence of God where they went. Well, David wanted to get the presence of God. He wanted to get the ark now that he was king of, of, of Israel. He wanted to bring the ark there, but he, he, he didn't do it right because back then, God was a real stickler for his rules. And if you didn't do them right, there's a good chance you're going to die. Aren't you grateful for Jesus? Amen. Whew, yeah. Thank God for the man Christ Jesus who made all the difference. And so, in his excitement without remembering the protocol. He sets it up on this cart and they have oxen pulling the cart that's carrying the Ark of the Covenant into the city. And they said, all right, everybody, start the music. And they're all dancing. They got this parade. And as they're coming just close to the city where the scripture calls it the threshing floor, and at that place, the oxen stumbled. And this poor guy named Uzzah, Talk about being at the wrong place at the wrong time. The cart wobbled, and so he reaches up to steady the ark. He touches it, bam, drops dead. David freaks out. Ah! He gets mad at God. He's more afraid than he is mad. He says, never mind, never mind. Obed-Edom opens the door. Um, we got this death box out here. We want to store it at your house. <laughs> Imagine, well, why, why are you here? Well, we were trying to bring it into Jerusalem and a guy touched it, dropped dead, so we thought we'd bring it by here. <laughs> and th- now, this guy, his wife and children, how's he going to keep his kids from touching it? But the king said, This is where we're putting it. Got to follow orders. So they bring the Ark of the Covenant into Obed's house, and then something amazing happened. The Scripture says, for the next three months, that everything Obed-Edom did prospered immensely. I mean, his bank account got fat, right? They were healthy as could be. Things were going good. I mean, everything was working out for Obed-Edom. I bet if they'd had a lottery back then, he would have been killing it. He... I mean, everything was going good. Well, it's going so well. I mean, this this I mean, his life is like becoming a, a shining light for everyone to see. And the news gets back to King David. Obed is rocking and rolling, man. Having that ark in his house has blessed him. He's All right, then we got to get it here. So finally, then he consults the books. How are we supposed to do this? Go to the priest. Oh, the priest, are supposed to carry it. Oh, sorry about that, Uzzah. So they finally get the box on the priest's shoulders, and they get the ark into Jerusalem. And it is a fanfare and a half, man. And now the presence of... Because David said, we've got to have the presence of God here. And he got there. And then the next thing you read is, Obed-Edom has moved his wife and kids into that city. Because once he tasted and saw that the Lord was good... He was willing to leave everything behind and get there because that presence changed his life. And you can read, and if you just search Obed-Edom in the scriptures, you'll find amazing how much he was in the service of God. It said uh, One place says he was one of the greeters at the front door. Where are my greeters at here tonight? Where are our one cause greeters? Amen. He was there greeting people. Hey, welcome to the house of God. You're not going to believe your life's going to get changed today. God is here, right? Then the next, another thing that you read about Obed-Edom is he's one of the worship leaders. He's leading the band. Now in David's tabernacle, which was basically a tent, it was just a tent and the house and the, the presence of God was in the middle of it and people could come and not just Jews, from every nation. It was just a little glimpse into our new covenant experience today. They could come from any, any place, any nation could come and worship worship God there. Marvelous time. But they had worship music 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So David had teams in shifts, and they would come, and they would play morning through night, all, all day long and all night long. And so Obed was part of that. He was one leading, leading the team and teaching them how to play their instruments. Because David, this is the, you might not have known this about King David. I mean, what a warrior, right? What a, what a poet and songwriter. I mean, there's so many marvelous things. I mean, he was the one who gathered all the stuff that... Um, Solomon could build the temple. I'm, what a king! Right. They called him the Great King. To this day, they call him the Great King. But he was also an inventor. Right. David constructed, invented instruments, and he would teach him how to play them. And Obed was kind of passing down the information from King King David's um, creations. And then you also see that Obed Edom was one. Who stood at the curtain before the ark. Who guarded that. I mean, it's like he got into the front door. And he's like, okay, how do, I get, how do I get deeper in there next to that box? And then he's leading worship and he's like, oh, I got to get back here. Okay, that second curtain. Oh, yeah, I can feel that. Woo, feel the anointing right there. I mean, he just poured himself into it. Not only that, but his sons also served in the house of God. Because he decided... That kingdom is worth every sacrifice, worth every loss in my life. To have him in his presence, to be in his presence is worth everything. Amen, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your awesome presence. That in your presence, your scripture says, is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Well, what is at your right hand? Yes, your son. In him is every pleasure. All of our dreams fulfilled. Every, every want and desire that we have, really, if we're not always aware of it, but it's him that we're really desiring. It's him that we're really looking for. It's him that, we're, that we need so desperately in our lives. And thank you that you have offered yourself so freely to us when Christ died for our sins and he was buried and he rose again the third day. And then you offer this invitation. Whoever believes on him will have everlasting life. Thank you. Thank you for your presence. Lord, help us to be aware of the presence of God in us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. It's not in a box. It's in us. Thank you, Lord. Because when that veil was torn in two, when Christ said it is finished and breathed his last, God moved out of the box. Praise God. And moved right into the hearts of those who would call on his name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the marvelous benefits that we have. The joy that we have in this kingdom. The peace that we have, the righteousness, as your word says, that's what the kingdom of God is, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And we bask in that and thank you for it tonight in the name of Jesus. Right quick, if you're here tonight and you need healing in your body, I want you to raise your hand where you are right now. Anybody here need healing in their body? I'm going to stand here for Heather tonight. Or or you want to stand in for somebody? Just raise your hand. Lord, thank you right now. You see these needs? You see these needs? So we just thank you right now as we declare the word of the living God, and that is that you sent your word and you healed them and you delivered them from their destruction. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your disease. Thank you, Lord. Every disease, every sickness, every infirmity right now is obliterated by the healing power of God. Every pain in Jesus' name We thank you for it right now. Thank you for the anointing of the Spirit of God that removes every burden and destroys every yoke in the name of Jesus. We are the blessed of God. We are the healed of God. We are the children of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.